When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today is Sunday, if you're listening to this later. Um, I try to give the day or not too much details about the day, as I know many are listening asynchronously in times other than Sunday. But it is Sunday in the Gospel text is um, really paralleled well with the Deuteronomy text from the Old Testament and the Corinthians text. I'm going to read all of them for you, and um, and we'll get into it. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today, by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your hearts turn away, and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to you, to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob. That is Deuteronomy 30, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not of the flesh, and behaving according to human inclinations. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each, I planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then Matthew, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said in those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you Insult a brother and sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the fires of hell. And when you're offering your gift to the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister is something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are still on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the uttermost farthing. 
You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said of those in ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The covenant has always been similar, the same, the same sort of offer God makes to God's people on Mount Sinai in Deuteronomy is the same offer that Jesus makes to God's people on the Sermon on the Mount. Two mountains, Sinai and this mountain that is unnamed. Jesus is not riding on a mount, as some have perceived or thought. He is on a mountain. And from this mountain, he proclaims the covenant, the laws, the blessings and curses of the law. Just as Moses did, choose life and you'll have a good one. Choose death and you'll have a terrible one. The simplicity of the law is always there. We break the law, the law breaks us. But even in that law, in Deuteronomy, God makes it very clear that this is about your heart, your heart, if your heart turns away and you don't hear, you're led astray. This is always about the heart. The heart has not gone anywhere. No matter what covenant we are talking about, the Old Covenant or the New Covenant, the Old Testament or the New Testament, it is always about the human heart. It is always about the human heart. And G- that is what Jesus focuses on in his sermon. He makes it very clear that a simple outward performance of the law is not enough the outward conformity to whatever system of rules or regulations is not what God ever intended. This is why Luther famously says, sin boldly. What? Sin boldly and follow Christ more boldly still. If you're going to sin, do it out in front of everybody. Everybody can see it. Get it over with and then move on with your life. The goal of the Christian life is not perfection. It is thankfulness. It is love. It is acceptance. It is remembering that you are loved by God. Jesus said that over and over and over again. And here, the real issues, the real sins, the real ways that we hurt each other and trip each other up are relational. 
in the Sermon on the Mount. And all the trauma of this world and the harshness of this world can get inside of us. And we can hate each other. And we can say awful things about each other. And we can sue each other. And we can commit adultery on each other. And we can do all these things that then lust after each other and do all these things that um, swear falsely against each other. All of these things that Jesus addresses in the Sermon on the Mount, we can do to each other. And that is never in keeping with the law. The way we keep the law of God in the new covenant, which is the same way as the old covenant, is to always be listening to your heart and always asking your heart the question, am I really in this? Am I really doing this? Or is this some outward performance? Of course, we must fake it till we make it sometimes. Of course, we must do the right thing even when it doesn't feel good. All of those things are true, of course. But Jesus is saying that God is always wanting a relationship with God's people. Um, You can even see that in some of these commandments. You shall not murder. Well, yeah, I mean, let's just, you know, I haven't done that. (laughs) That's right out of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder, or thou shalt not kill, as it's in the King James. But you shall not murder. Um, And then whoever murders is liable to judgment. Okay, I'm good. I haven't murdered anyone. But then Jesus takes it down to this intimate level of the human heart. If you're angry with your brother or sister, you can get judged for that. If you insult them, you know, you can come to the council of the church. If you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. Um, That the consequences for this relationship, um, violence in relationships, verbal or, or emotional, is... Um, really, really serious. And that is why the goal of the church is to work on our relationships, the school of love. This is why we encourage people to come to church, is because this is the school of love. If you can get along with these people, who you wouldn't have chosen necessarily to be friends with, but through them you can see God, that is what we are here to do. Anyone can see God in a sunset. It's really hard to see God in real, ordinary people that you know well, who are full of the changes and chances of life, who sometimes um, don't conform to our standards of what we think everyone should behave as that way. Um, This is the ultimate test of the Christian community. And in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul goes off on the Corinthian church. His first letter is a little mean, And here is um, one of the meanest parts of it. Remember, he's piloting remotely. He's pastoring remotely. He's far away and trying to, he's heard all these things that have happened in the Corinthian church and he wants to address them, but he's powerless. He's got no power. He's got this apostolic authority because he planted the church. But other than that, he's not there. He can't say much. So sometimes his letters seem really harsh when they're just frustrated because he's so far away. He's not on the telephone. There's no voice call. He's got this letter he's going to write, and hopefully they'll listen to it, but maybe not. And they don't really, how will he know if they do? It'll be months and months before he ever hears back from them. And so he chastises them. He says, you're just people of the flesh, infants in Christ. Um, I fed you milk and, and you weren't ready for solid food. What is the solid food? The solid food 
is the bigger picture of what we are here to do. Um, that, that the self-empowerment and self-improvement message of Christianity might draw us in, in immediately and say, here's a different way to live. And here's some rules and regulations in this covenant, especially for the Gentile converts into Christianity who had um, been living in a system that was full of lust, avarice, and greed. And they were coming out of that, those temple worshiping situations and the pagan temples. And, and um, they, were con- they were confronted and invited in by a God who loved them, by a Christ who died for them. And all they had to do was be thankful and kind and loving to each other. Um, not performative in any way. And, and so that's the milk of Christianity, the good news. But the meat, um, the, the solid food of Christianity is this next step, which is to see the bigger picture, that ultimately we are here to love, not just love ourselves or not just love the people that love us, but ultimately to love people that are really difficult to love. Um, this is... The, the harder message. And he says, um, if we get caught up in the cults of personalities, um, Paul planted the church, Apollos watered the church, he was there after Paul, but God gave the growth. Apollos was a lot better than Paul. From everything we know, he was a great preacher. Paul says he wasn't, that he himself wasn't a great preacher, but Apollos was. Apollos is, is the guy that everybody kind of likes, but there's still some that are loyal to Paul. Again, this factionalism that sort of seeks to replace God or replace Jesus with Paul or Apollos is something that um, is antithetical to mature Christianity. One of the hallmarks of a kid growing up is that they can feed themselves. Um, They can't really in the beginning. We have to feed them. Eventually there comes the point where they can feed themselves. Not that we don't feed them. I still feed my kids of any age, any chance I get. I love that. I love it when I make something for them that they eat or at a restaurant or something like that. I love that. But ultimately, they can fend for themselves. Well, the older ones can um, because they're, they're grown up. And that's what Christians should be. We should be self-feeding Christians. If we're always um, caught up in just the message of self-improvement, which is important. It's not, we need milk. Milk's a good thing. But that's all we're able to see. The church will always be just a gym for personal improvement. It'll be a consumer activity. Ultimately, we are God's field. We are the the field that God is growing in. And not just our individual stock of grain, but ultimately all the stocks of grain all together. This is the joy of living in the covenant with God. It is about our hearts. And the way our hearts are open or closed to other people is the ultimate test of whether we know Jesus. Um, It's not a test that's performative in any way. It is a constant um, asking God to open our hearts to love, open our hearts, guard us from the cynicism and vainglory and messages of individual self-improvement, but ultimately for the goal of the greater community. Because it is in community that we have life. It is in community that we thrive. And if you're far off from community today, Um, I hope you can find it. I'll pray for that. I hope you have asked me questions and build a community here. Um, I hope that that will happen to you, that school of love that we have. Amen.
O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you, give us the help of your grace, that in keeping your commandments we may both please you in will and deed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.